Hello and welcome to this episode of the Creating Happy Writers podcast. It's episode 44. If you're new here, then welcome. It's so exciting that you have chosen to have a listen to see what this is all about. And hopefully you're going to get something really, really helpful by the end of the episode. If you've been here a while now and you're a returning listener, big love and thanks to you for your continued support. It really does mean a lot. I'm a multi-published author and a writing coach. I'm on a mission to take the overwhelm and the confusion and the frustration out of the writing process and give you the confidence and knowledge to pursue your writing goals. I'm also all about more female writers writing non-fiction or business books in their niche so that they can step into their space and own it and start sharing with the world their expertise and their knowledge. If you want to get even more support from me, head on over to Substack where you can subscribe to my free weekly newsletter all about writing and publishing. It's called The Right Stuff. And if you're so inclined, you can then become a paid subscriber for the price of a London cup of coffee. If you're elsewhere in the UK or probably even in the world, it's probably more like two cups of coffee a month for the price of a subscription to my Substack. I'm going to be doing more and more subscriber-only things on Substack, so do join the free one, see what it's like, see what it's all about, and then hopefully over time you will become a paid subscriber and get all those fantastic benefits that are coming your way in 2024. You can find me at stephcaswell.substack.com. You can also now find a copy of Dare to Write, or hopefully more than one copy of my latest book, Dare to Write, on my website. Uh, It's not been there for a while. It's only been available on Amazon while I've been sorting out the website and sorting out how I'm going to distribute my books. But it is there now, Dare to Write. You can buy it on the website. It takes a little bit longer than it does if you order off Amazon, but you are supporting an independent author in the best way possible by buying direct rather than through Amazon. So do come and check it out. I'll put all the links to Substack and the books in the show notes so you can hopefully grab a copy of the book and come and join me on Substack in the community. If you want to work with me one-to-one, I would absolutely love to support you uh, on your writing journey. So come and see what I'm up to at stephcaswell.com. All the info you need about all the ways to work with me is right there. Now we've got through that. Let's dive into today's episode. And I'm going to be talking about something we all struggle with procrastination. I want you to cast your mind back to the last time you procrastinated. It may have been earlier today or it may have been a week ago. Sometimes we're not aware of it but other times we totally know what we're doing yet we procrastinate anyway. (laughs) Can I be honest with you right from the beginning dear listener? I actually procrastinated about writing the notes for this episode which ironically is about procrastination and procrastinating about procrastination. I ended up watching a Taylor Swift video for You Need to Calm Down on YouTube and then I got stuck in a book rabbit hole on Amazon while trying to find the link to the five second rule, which is what I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So procrastination is real. We do it all the time, whether we know it or we don't, it's right there, like a little thing on our shoulder that we can't get away from easily. It's not, though, some of my best procrastination work. No, I procrastinate in a whole host of ways, particularly when I'm supposed to be writing, like deciding that a particular day has to be the day that I take out the contents of the Tupperware cupboard and try to find all the matching lids. 
despite the fact that it's been a shit show in there for at least six months. Or watching just one more episode of a Netflix show, or reading one more chapter of a book I'm enjoying over breakfast. I even procrastinated about giving birth to my youngest son, Beau. So much so that I decided to build a filing cabinet while in the early stages of labour. Crackers, right? Some might call it nesting, other people might call it procrastination, or just utter madness, you choose. But whatever it is, I feel that putting off the inevitable... (laughs) giving birth was something that I did pretty well in that situation. So you might say I'm sort of an expert, which is kind of you, but what a thing to be an expert in, right? Now, maybe some of that has resonated with you, or perhaps you now think you're listening to someone who needs medical help. But either way, we're diving into procrastination in this episode, and we're diving in hard. Before, though, we look at some solutions, let's tinker around under the procrastination bonnet and see what the hell we're dealing with. What even is procrastination and why do we do it? It actually comes down to something quite simple. We're putting off a task knowing that we'll be worse off for delaying it. It's an irrational choice in the short term to make ourselves feel better. Now, I know that you can relate to this. I can certainly relate to this. When I put off doing something like writing my book, I know I'm going to be worse off for the fact that I'm not doing it when I should be. But I put it off anyway. My logical brain and my emotional brain are just having that constant discussion. And I'm sure maybe you have found that too, that you know what you should be doing. But actually, do you feel like doing it? Do you want to do it? No. And the reason is it has roots in our instinctive urges to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Procrastinating offers a temporary mood repair, even when you know you'll feel worse later. (laughs) When you think about it in this way, when we're sitting here as logical people, me logically talking to you about it, you logically listening to me talk about it, it does seem absolutely crackers, doesn't it? It sounds mad. And it's just, if we can think about doing a task and sitting down and doing it, we just imagine that we're just going to sit down and we're just going to do it. But actually, we know that if it's hard or if it's something we perceive to be hard, we're going to procrastinate in one way or another, in a small way or, as I did with the filing cabinet, in a rather large way. The really interesting research, though, recently has been around the fact that chronic procrastination, if you're somebody who procrastinates all the time over everything that is difficult, it's actually a habit loop in the brain. And it's driven by a gap between intention and action. And the bigger the task, the easier it is to put off starting. So that's really interesting. We actually can build a habit of procrastination. It's not something that we have to do. It's not something that is not within our control. And I find that liberating. I find knowing that procrastination is a habit truly liberating because as we well know, we can change our habits. We can change our behavior into something more productive, more helpful and essentially that's going to get that shit done. The shit that you're avoiding, we can get it done by changing the habits of procrastination. If we put it in its simplest words, procrastination is a habit we get into to avoid pain and seek pleasure, even though we know it's going to make things worse for us in the long run. And I'm not actually sure whether Tupperware sorting 
or giving birth can either of those can be described as seeking pleasure um but perhaps filing cabinets are pleasurable experiences for people who knows but let's crack on shall we so now we know that it's a habit we can actually look at ways to change the habit for the better and it does take work of course it does but we can procrastinate less if we know what to do so in the episode today I am going to be sharing with you some of the research I'm going to be sharing some of the thoughts that other people have had around procrastination experts that we can call on to help us and then I'm going to be giving you some strategies that you can use next time you find yourself procrastinating over your writing because I think when it comes to something like writing a book procrastination is often very very tempting The first person I'm going to reference is Mel Robbins because her book, The Five Second Rule, really has been transformative to my procrastination habits. If I'd known about Mel's Five Second Rule all those years ago when I was waiting to give birth to Bo, I'm not entirely sure I would have left it so long before I went to the hospital and, uh, you know, not been having my contractions quite so close together. I would have gone a smidge earlier and made it less of a dash. But anyway, enough about my birthing stories. So Mel's research has shown that the human brain has a five second moment of influence where we can consciously push past inertia and self-doubt before the primitive parts of the brain take over. So what that means is neurologically, there's five seconds between a thought about doing something and the action of doing it that we can actually really harness that moment of five seconds because there's the moment of thought, five seconds later, you're emotional, the primitive parts of the brain, the monkey brain, who doesn't want you to do that, who wants you to do other things to avoid pain. Before that kicks in, there's five seconds, there's a window of time where we can actually use it to our advantage. Within this five second window, there is an opportunity to take control by simply starting a task before the rationalizing self talk kicks in. And if you can train yourself with a countdown of five, four, three, two, one, go and move without overthinking, you can actually form new productive habits over time. Because the prefrontal cortex part of the brain regulates self-control. So by mentally committing to just five seconds of effort, you can override the basal ganglia's role in negative habits. And those are parts of the brain that we at times can just think automatically do things for us. And actually, if we can step in, if we can use the prefrontal cortex part of the brain more, we're less likely to procrastinate. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about how I use the five second rule later, but it has been transformative. And I talk about it all the time to people. I'm a big male fan, full stop. But let's just say for the sake of this conversation that the five second rule has had an impact on my life that is just like almost nothing else uh, in terms of my productivity, in terms of me pushing forward with my writing, with my business, with anything I'm trying to do in life. When it gets hard, the five second rule is the thing I use so much so that it is going to be the tattoo that I get on my right wrist because I just love it so much and I need it there to remind me all the time that I have this tool at my disposal. There is another book that I've been reading and it's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I haven't finished it yet, but I was interested to think about how we could use some of his ideas when it comes to procrastination. And he talks about the upper limit, which is the subconscious ceiling of success that your current self-image accepts before sabotaging progress to remain in a comfort zone. So 
procrastination is one way that our psyche, our brains limit ourselves by thinking actually this is, we can't do that hard task. We have a limit. There's no way we can get through that ceiling when of course there is. And by procrastinating, we're stopping ourselves from breaking through that ceiling and moving forward with something. Another thing to think about with Gay Hendricks's work is also the fact that procrastination can help us become conscious of the ways we're evoking or invoking, should I say, creative avoidance to dodge those anxiety-inducing goals we have. And the distraction of procrastination is that creative avoidance. And actually, it's probably, and I have heard Mel talk about this too, it's a way of stopping ourselves from facing our fears our fears of the task, our fears of our ability to do the task, our fear of success, our fear of if we do this, what does this mean? All of these things that subconsciously are going on below the surface that we may be not tapping into. So perhaps it's a way to avoid fear and it's a way to make ourselves temporarily feel better and not have to deal with whatever it is that we're worried about. And finally, when it comes to Gay's work, it's talking about this cultivating a conscious culture where you've got supportive friends who are holding you accountable so you can act on your aspirations and they can call out those avoidance techniques you have with procrastination is one of right it's evident that you're doing it they can call you out on it and this is why I feel that accountability groups when it comes to writing when it, or book coaches when it comes to writing can really help call you out on it and say, actually, are you just procrastinating on this or is it the fact that this bit is hard and you need extra support to do X, Y and Z? Is it just your brain's way of, you know, protecting you from the hard work? And it's harsh, you know, I'm not saying that I have all the answers or that I do it perfectly. Of course not. But it is really useful to become more self-aware of when you're procrastinating in order to make the changes. Awareness is the first step in any kind of behavior change. So if you can get aware of it, you're already on the right path. So as I said, I don't want to leave you in the lurch by saying, hey, this is what procrastination is. We all do it. Goodbye. I'm going to help you by giving you some advice on what you can do and by sharing a little bit of what works for me in the hope that it might help you too. So think first of all, what are your procrastination triggers? Notice the times when you are more likely to procrastinate. Is it depending on where you are, the time of day, the mood you're in? And then you can use that to address the situation by addressing those patterns. So if you need a change of scenery in order to stop procrastinating, there's an option. If you find that you procrastinate later in the day, which is certainly something I do when it comes to writing, if I don't get my writing done first thing, I tend not to do it at all. And I know that I have to do it first thing in order to be proactive, to move forwards with it. And this might be the case for you. So if you feel like you procrastinate later, this is me an exercise as well, by the way. I need to do it in the morning. So I schedule those things in early in the day to get them done. And then I can just crack on with everything else I have to do. Or is it that you notice that when you're in a particular mood, and for women, I'm not going to lie to you, it can be times of the month, it can be a cyclical thing where maybe our hormones are at a certain point and you're more likely to procrastinate at times of the month as well. Um, And I think that's something to be interested in and aware of if you are a woman. So those are the things to think about first. What are your triggers? Is it certain tasks as well that you know, particularly book writing, that you procrastinate over the most? And if you do, that's okay too, because we can come on to some techniques you can use around book writing. Another tip to try is 
complete just five minutes of the task, not the full task. And the reason this works is you're giving yourself just the goal of starting. Now, I use this when I go out for a run. I tell myself that I'm just going to go for a walk for five minutes. And if I don't feel like running, I will then just walk home again. If or or it might be that I go for five minutes and then think, you know, I'm not in the mood to run today. I'm going to then walk for the rest of this little 20 minute loop or whatever it could be. Right. But more often than not, once I've done the five minute walk, I'm actually in the zone then. I'm actually moving. I'm out the house. I've got my stuff on. I've got my running gear on and I go. And once I've done the five minute walk, I would say 95% of the time I then start running because I'm just in that place then. Whereas when I'm in the house and I'm sitting on the sofa, I've just got out of bed. My brain is like "Mm, running for half an hour. No, thank you. But actually, if I can tell my brain it's five minutes, then it makes a big difference. Maybe this is the case with your writing. Just tell yourself you're going to write for five minutes, set a timer for five minutes and write for just that short amount of time. And I bet you, you'll notice that once those five minutes are up, you just carry on. So it's almost tricking ourselves to think we're not doing the big thing. It's okay, brain. We're not doing the big thing. We're doing a small amount of it. And then we'll see how we feel. And actually, there are times when you will do five minutes of writing and then be like, actually, this is literally like pulling teeth. So you're not going to do any more. But I would say, again, like me with running and like me with writing, to be fair, once I've got into the momentum of it, I'm far more likely to continue. Thirdly, let's think about rewarding action and not just results. I love this because it helps to reinforce the behaviours immediately with enjoyable incentives for beginning a task, not just completing it. I think we often do that, don't we? And I talk about this when it comes to celebrating the milestones you reach when writing a book. Don't wait for the big milestones. You know, always celebrate the small wins, the end of a chapter, the end of a section, the fact that you sat down for your half an hour writing sprint, whatever it is. But perhaps it's about when it comes to procrastination, having an incentive just for starting, could it be, and I use this a lot, that I make a nice cup of coffee and then I feel like, oh, I'm just going to enjoy my coffee. I'm going to do a bit of writing, enjoy my coffee. If I'm really struggling, I'm going to, you know, do my writing for five minutes. And then, you know, while having my coffee, if I still don't feel like it, I'm still going to have my coffee and I'm going to move on to something else. Again, momentum usually builds and I have a lovely coffee and I get my writing done. So it's a win-win. You're just trying to train your brain, I guess, to tie rewards directly to making small steps of progress. You've also got the option of batching admin tasks. Now, I I really wanted, when I was researching this episode, I really wanted to know more about this. And it's about reducing our perception of unpleasant tasks by grouping them into a single power hour with breaks between batches instead of spacing them out. Now, I I am literally reading off my notes there because I want to be absolutely accurate. But there is a book called Power Hour, I think, or or something along those lines. The name Adrian springs to mind, somebody who wrote a book about power hours. But the power hour idea is essentially anything you don't want to do, you batch together. So if it's not writing per se, but it's procrastination about, you know, for me, it can be often doing my tax receipts or or doing my, you know, my accounting stuff. And I always like to think that every month I'll be really good and I sort out my receipts and do my, you know, the stuff I need to do around the the bank stuff. And I, I never do. But what I have found to be helpful is to set my timer again for like an hour and think, right, I'm just going to power out and do these shitty admin tasks that I don't want to do. So maybe it is like, you know, I talked to you about 30 minute writing sprints. Perhaps it is just making it a sprint of 30 minutes and then that's it for the day. And that works for my writing and I can absolutely be certain it will work for yours. And then finally, there is another thing I found, another technique 
that I found while researching for the episode. And it talked about rotating primary and secondary projects. And I thought this was really, really interesting. And I think I'm going to give this a go myself. So our inclination when tackling complex things like writing a book is to assume we need long inter uninterrupted, should I say, blocks of time to make progress. But if we keep putting off starting until those ideal conditions align, we're never going to get anywhere. So an alternative approach is to intentionally structure the day or the week to actively rotate between working on the primary complex project, which is like writing a book, which requires deep focus, maybe outlining your book. And then a second simpler task or project that uses a completely different skill set. So it could be reading through one of your blog posts you've done or doing a bit of editing on some social media posts. And you're using different parts of our brain in terms of brain power and cognitive, you know, the need to have such in-depth focus on one project. So it's almost like flitting between the two. So when you feel your motivation stalling, like if you're planning chapters of your book, for example, that's a primary project, you could already have an alternate bite-sized writing task queued up, you know, that you can then switch your attention to, which is a secondary project. And rather than giving up writing completely for the day, it could just be that you're alternating between something that is very, very simple and not cognitively challenging and then something that requires a deeper focus. I'm really interested in trying this. I'm not sure whether it will work for me but I just thought it was an interesting concept to try. Once your lighter tasks and so the research says is complete you then have those negative associations perhaps with the bigger project have diminished because you keep getting little hits of dopamine the feel-good hormone and because you finished off these smaller seemingly inconsequential tasks but again it's that body's need our brain's need for reward constantly that can really really help I did promise before I finished that I was going to talk to you a bit about what I use personally. And I, like I said, use the five second rule all the time. I use the five second rule to quit my job as a deputy head. No joke. That's how powerful it is. It can be incredible for the big stuff like that. It can be also incredible for the small stuff like just getting out of bed in the morning or starting my writing. Whatever it is, I, I honestly use it daily for a variety of things, whether it's writing, anything in business, anything in life. It could just be getting up to go and take the dishes into the kitchen after dinner. You know, when you just want to just sit there and you just want the dishes to have cleaned themselves and just be in the dishwasher without you having to do it yourself. I sometimes have to use it to get my ass out of the chair just to go and do that. So listen, it can work for the small stuff. It can work for the big stuff and everything in between. I also use my writing sprints when it comes to procrastination, like I said. I think about, I'm just going to write a paragraph and then I'll see how I feel. That five minute thing, like I talked to you about with my running and walking as well, that sort of thing really works for my brain. My brain loves a trick. So if I can trick it into thinking, actually, you're only going to do this for five minutes or you're only going to write a paragraph, it works amazingly well. So those are the two I would say that if you want to try, try the five second rule. All you've got to do, you sit down, you think, I'm going to start writing this chapter. You don't feel like it. You feel resistance building just five, four, three, two, one, go and start writing, whatever it is. Some people advocate just writing anything. You could just write about, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm doing this piece of work and I really don't want to. And it's almost like just the momentum of writing something kicks in and you can then actually start the project you're supposed to be doing. So I really honestly would say to you, try those two, five second rule and try the, I'm just going to write for five minutes. The brain trickery is brilliant when it comes to procrastination. 
before I go, let me just say I did. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode dedicated to procrastination. You know, it's something that I feel like we all do. And I did procrastinate over writing and researching the notes for this. I did procrastinate about recording it because I'm down in the garden and it's mid-February and it's freezing. And I knew I was going to have to walk to the end of the garden. It's raining today. I was going to have to come into the cabin with it. But it hasn't had its heating on. So my toes are like ice blocks right now. Um, so there was loads of reasons why I didn't feel like doing this. As much as I love recording the podcast, as much as I love writing, sometimes the actual practicality of doing the thing is just too much. So I hope this has helped. I hope, to, I hope it's given you all of the stuff you need in order to try and beat that habit that you may have fallen into with procrastination. And it's it's just so helpful to have techniques and tools up your sleeve when it strikes and when you notice it. So just remember, starts with awareness, notice when you're procrastinating and then try some of the techniques I've mentioned in today's episode. I wish you the best of luck. I know you've got this. You really, really have. We can break this habit of procrastination. We really, really can. If you know another writer who would enjoy these episodes, then please share it with them. And if you want to let me know you've been listening, I would absolutely be thrilled to hear from you. You can use the hashtag creating happy writers, or if you're on uh, um, Instagram, you can share it with me at Steph Caswell author. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I love hearing how you feel about the podcast episodes. If you're yet to leave a review, it would mean so much if you could on your favorite podcast platform. But until next time, happy non-procrastinated writing to you.